The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Are you ready? From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all the ships at sea, lovers, muggers, and thieves. Welcome to the Boston Podcast. My name is Dave. If you like our show, follow us on Apple Podcasts, wherever you find your pods. And if you'd like your own podcast, please go to pod617.com to get started. It's what we do. We produce podcasts either here out of our Westwood Mass studios or remotely. We'll send you a quality USB mic. You can do the whole thing right from your couch, if you like, pod617.com. We welcome today friend of the show, friend of Pod 617. He had a great podcast here for a while called The Josh JP Philosophy. More importantly, he's an excellent real estate professional over at Red Dome Realty. Our friend JP Plunkett is on the line. Yeah. How you doing? Always a pleasure to talk to you. It's always a pleasure to have you on because you're a renaissance man. Your your business is real estate, but JP can talk music, he can talk sports, he can talk Boston College until he's blue in the face. And yep. I wanted to have you on for a couple reasons. One, as sort of a professional checkup, because I always want to hear what, what's going on in your business at Red Dome Realty. Right. And then uh, we'll have some fun a little later in the show. We'll talk a little football and we'll play a, a round of good stuff. But how uh, how is when I don't even know if we talk about business in terms of the pandemic anymore. It feels like it's completely behind us, but still some reverberations. How is life in in uh, at your desk from from where you sit in the real estate world? It's good. Yeah. It's real good. Nothing overly fancy, but that's okay by me. Mm. Just. Uh, big fan of Ichiro, Suzuki, and Wade Boggs, and Pete Rose, and you hit <laughs> singles, hit some doubles, maybe a super sporadic triple, and leave the uh, swings and misses and elusive home runs to uh, to others. So <laughs> that is our uh, business model and has been for seven-plus years since the firm was started. And th- those small and medium deals keep on transacting. So, mm-hmm. you know, the people that are elephant hunting, I worry about them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the elite elephant hunters are going to keep doing great. Mm-hmm. But I think that the plethora um, of other elephant hunters are going to, they're going to be um, in for a tough, tough time. So, but yeah, COVID, it doesn't. Don't even talk end- about it anymore. That's good. It doesn't, it doesn't enter any conversation in commercial real estate at all. Some people like to use the slowdown in the Class A office market, an excuse they like to use as COVID, mm-hmm. but it's just that. It's an excuse. Um, I, I like to remind people that prior to COVID, the office market was contracting because folks learned through layout improvements, different types of furnitures and the like, you can put the proverbial 10 pounds of potatoes in a five pound bag. That that was figured out before COVID. Mm -hmm. And even before COVID, folks were working out of Starbucks, working out of flex offices like WeWork, Industrious and the like. So 
that was all happening anyways. COVID amplified it, hustled it along, but it's not to blame. And COVID, um, mm-hmm. COVID's over. But mm-hmm. we can get to it in a moment or two. But the industrial market, which was absolutely scathing white hot, yep. seething for, for, I'd say, from the middle of 01 through maybe late Q3, 22, being a landlord or a seller in the industrial market was like the greatest thing anybody could have ever dreamed of. Mm. That was because of the pent up demand logistics supply chain wise that COVID created. Mm. So that market got artificially revved up. Now there seems to be a lull in the industrial market, but there really isn't. It's just that that, 18 months of mayhem, good mayhem, if you're a landlord or if you were a landlord or a seller, relaxed, mm-hmm. caused by COVID. It's now calmed down because, again, COVID's de facto gonzo. And the good news, though, is it, the industrial market is still better than anybody ever dreamed it could be. It's mm-hmm. just corrected itself a bit. So it seems slow compared to that white hot feverish nature so i get to hear about it it's talked about but it's not really affecting anything tell tell us how you spend your day because maybe my conception is wrong but you you're working on real estate deals but i get the feeling you're not just you're not just a numbers cruncher you're you're (laughs) often giving advice on strategy and proposing ideas for your clients but give us an idea of how you spend your day so the one of the things I like the most about being a commercial real estate broker is that you spend your day doing three to 15 different things. Um, <laughs> yep. you, you're never doing the same thing for more than 20 minutes. So it, it's kind of a weak cliche, but it's the perfect business for somebody that has a low attention abilities, which I think most of us do anyways, because you just, boom, you're, you're spending some time making some cold calls. You're spending some time working with marketing folks on a new flyers and uh, collateral for your listings. You, you may be spending a few minutes with your, your web designer to update that. You're, you're calling clients to give them updates on how their projects are going. Then you're out in the road showing an office building. And then maybe an hour later, you're, you're showing an industrial property. One day you could be with your tenant rep hat on and you're in the car showing three to seven buildings to a client who you're, you're looking to find them space as opposed to repping the landlord. So, and then I think this is uh, true of many small businesses, but I'm the principal of Red Dome, but I, I handle invoicing and I, I handle taking the trash out on Fridays. I mean, <laughs> I love right. you, you do everything mm-hmm. and it, it's a get out of bed still feeling like I'm an eight year old uh, on Christmas morning. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't be luckier in that regard. Mm-hmm. Do you, when you are driving through town or on your way to work or, or anything, do you Peer your keep your eyes peeled for available commercial space. Do you sort of yeah. wonder why? Because I the reason I think of it, I just I live in Foxborough. I happen to be in Canton yesterday, and there's a there's a little area, Cobb's Corner, it's outdoor mall kind of thing. But there's a Bertucci's there, and I noticed driving by the Bertucci's was gone, and it always makes me wonder. Eh, I wonder why they went out of business now. Bertucci's is a pretty strong. Brand, I'm not asking you to, to answer that question specifically, but you must be thinking about all those kind of things like, oh, this is out and this is in and what's going on. Yep. No, I, I am. And it's even to the point now because I'm 
so engrossed in it that my family starts thinking about these things. So uh, <laughs> before we got on the air, I was telling you my son and I had a fun weekend and we like he always wants to do. It. We went to Dunkin' Donuts. So <laughs> long story short, the Dunkin' Donuts that we generally go to on the weekends, which is in the lower mills on the Dorchester Milton Lime, closed for renovations. So that intrigued the heck out of him. And I explained <laughs> that every 10 years, Dunkin' Donuts franchisees need to basically spit shine their operation and oh, shut really? down. Mm. So do a um, U-turn down towards um, Mattapan and there's a beautiful Dunkin' Donuts and behind it, mm. almost like I've seen it 800 times, but you know, you get blind to situations every now and then. Sure. Yep. And my 18-year-old son goes, hey dad, look at that building. That would be a good one for Red Dome to follow up on. <laughs> And it's, lo and behold, it's a beautiful, like, 80,000-square-foot plumbing supply warehouse. Mm. Like, yeah, I should cold call them. Mm. Maybe they would like to sell that. I'm giving ideas away to my competition, but maybe they want to sell that building and optimize on the city of Boston's surging commercial values, and that could become some sort of a retail development or a multifamily development, and whoever owns that site could make all sorts of money vis-a-vis -vis their likely very low basis of acquisition years and years ago. And that supply house, even if it services construction projects in the city, can still do that in um, lower valued real estate. Like they could, for example, they could go to Randolph. Um, they could go to uh, Braintree. They, there are places where they could go. So it's it's just so fun. There's always some really interesting just light bulb that goes off and even now my family after years of just hearing me talk about this craziness they start thinking about it so it's, it's fun so let me ask you a personal question let's say less than a mile from where you live there's a vacant spot and as it happens you have nothing to do with this professionally this is just jp the person right what would you if a commercial business was going i, I like to play this game a commercial business was going in there what would you personally enjoy the most? Like, oh, great, this Boy, is going in there. That is such a great question because there are two human beings that flow through me. It's the commercial real estate broker and what I think makes best sense for my clients, What right. make, which is really all that matters, right. what makes best sense vis-a-vis you know, -vis what the market's going to bear. That's frankly really all that matters because it controls at all but then every now and then when a space is super close to where you live or work yeah you can't help but put on the consumer cap right and say, dang what i'd like to see in here selfishly mm. has nothing to do necessarily <laughs> what's going to go in here right and you always of course just go with what needs to be there based upon the market slash what what, what, what the client thinks yeah Great example of this is in Milton Village, Bank of America has a branch that has closed. And we're not involved. Bank of America hired CB and JLL, probably out of Charlotte, and they'll be marketing a hundred some odd closed Bank of America branches. So I am not involved with the Bank of America side, but I have a chance because I know the market pretty well. I could bring a buyer 
to the situation in CB and JLL, their joint venture would gladly sort of co-broke with me. Mm. So I'm getting calls from friends and family and, and even some clients all throughout the greater Milton area. What do you think will go in there? What do you think? And everybody right. wants something <laughs> really. Oh, wouldn't it be great for an ice cream shop? Yeah. Or wouldn't right. it? Yeah, that's open four months a year. <laughs> and it's in the building itself. Of, you know. Yeah. We, we seem to have, in New England, we seem to have a lot of ice cream shops for, like you say, something that's yeah. not not seasonal friendly to this area per, per se. Yeah. Or like my daughter would like to see like a mini Target going there. I'm like, oh, yeah, with no parking. Sure. <laughs> yeah, seven, three thousand. So everybody has their own agenda right. as to what would, you know, what would I like to see going there? Oh, I don't know. Um, a golf course, a golf club factory or a baseball card shop. But you know what it's going to be? What's it going to be? With all due respect to people in this industry, mm. it'll be another dry cleaner <laughs> or another insurance company. Yep. Period. Because those are the types of businesses that seem to go into this neighborhood commercial. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It, it's two different things. It's the reality of what the market will bear and what steady any good credit for the landlord vis-a-vis yep. -vis like what your human desires are they, right. they very oh. right. yeah you, you, like you say you see it from two distinct angles the the this human part of most of us i think we dream about something that would bring us the most enjoyment so i'm always thinking oh maybe a sports bar going there or maybe a really good diner we could use a really good diner around here and diners come and go <laughs> most well, of them, so, yeah. here's the th i would love a sports bar and i would love a diner yeah uh, you know, I drive, um, you know, every two or three weeks, we'll go to the Wheelhouse Diner in North Quincy, which is absolutely great. But it's 15 minutes away. But yeah. Another one, there's a reason they don't go all over the place. They, they're, it's mom and pop credit, right. which is, listen, God bless the people that run these places. They work hard. They, they make a living. They provide a beautiful service. They're passionate. But when uh, a Fortune 10 type company is disposing of its real estate, and it wants every ounce of blood out of the rock on the value, and they're going to get every ounce of blood out of the rock on the value. Well, the group that buys it has to then get every ounce of rent that they can to justify the big ticket acquisition they just made mm. and rent it to Billy's Diner mm -hmm. because there's it's not a bondable type credit. Guess what they're going to probably do? Rent it to another bank. Mm. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's to, to, to me, and I, I know far less than you do, but those branch office of a bank, it, it, they, they probably have, they have the template ready to go and they know if it's going to be worth their while to open that. With a diner, I just feel like their profit margins are, are like razor slim. I mean, so. They're, um, they're, they're totally thin. Yeah. They come and go. It's, it's it's a bummer, but it's just true. And um, a landlord just can't justify doing business with a group that has so many question marks because they have a bank who scrutinizes the credit of the rent roll. There's a lot that goes into it. So it's it's an interesting. Um, it's it's to a degree, it's a conundrum because on one hand, and, and I'm a small business. Small right. business really dominate the economy. But it's becoming harder and harder for some of them in certain locations to get space because of the institutionalized sort of nature of, of the landlord community.
you know, it's one thing for another mom and pop landlord, they're more willing to understand the idiosyncrasies of a mom and pop tenant, right. but not not necessarily a big landlord. So, well, thank you for that update, JP. Always interesting. JP's website is r-dome.com. It's Red Dome Realty. R-dome.com. Is that the best way for people to learn more about what you do? Yeah, I think so. Okay. And now uh, we have a pretty fun and active, fresh uh, Twitter handle at Red Dome Realty which we have fun with and get some news and quips and trends and thoughts out there. Very cool. Either way. Follow um, on Twitter. So I have you here. And as we record this, it's Monday morning following a a big NFL Sunday. I know you're a big football guy, so I need to get your thoughts on what happened yesterday. Two, two unusual games. I think, well, the first one for sure, we can start with that one. And I just, I don't recall ever, seeing a, a team that w- was basically out there trying to stay in a game without a quarterback who could throw. They, the 49ers with the Purdy goes down. We all know the story. He's third string at the beginning of the season. They put in this journeyman, Josh Johnson. He gets his bell rung, unfortunately. He's got to come out. And now they don't have any, anyone that could throw. It was, it was bizarre. And I don't know if, what I would have done if I were them, but what did you think? It's interesting. It's Ted Johnson former Patriot, who's a regular contributor to Toucher and Rich, this morning on the drive-in, I heard him say, he's never seen that happen. So with that concept, like no one's ever seen that happen. So therefore, I totally buy into only having two QBs on your roster Mm -hmm. because maybe once every 25 years, there's a situation where you need the third guy to play. right? So it's worth not clogging the roster with the third QB. Now, the interesting thing is Belichick kind of invented this. Up until about 10 years ago, everybody had a third quarterback. Yeah. Pat the Pat or Brady was fourth. And yep. but it's just baseball. Like no, nobody necessarily, unless you're a big pappy, excellent. No one carries someone who's just a DH. Right. It's cloggy on the roster. Mm. So I think, it makes sense that the Niners didn't have a third quarterback. Mm. Because chances of needing that fella mm. is once every 25 years rare. Mm. However, and I'm no football coach, and I'm sure there's a thousand reasons why what I'm about to say must be impossible. But I've always wondered if this happens someday, and it is going to happen someday, mm. why wouldn't, even if it's just once every two weeks all season long, there'd be 30 minutes dedicated at practice to somebody on the roster needs to be the emergency third QB. And generally, a team has a dude that played quarterback, maybe even in college, but doesn't in NFL, certainly someone that did in high school, and just have – three, four, five auxiliary plays, passing plays, set up so that if this dude has to come in and he could be a cornerback, a receiver, a special teams guy, I guess that part doesn't matter, that at least now the defense has to think a little bit on their toes. Sure, 92% of the plays are going to be running, but not 100%. Right. A little bit they have to pay attention because – three or four or five rather simple throwing plays are going to be put into place 
by this emergency QB. To me, that would help solve this nonsense a little bit. Yeah, and it might it might serve a, another purpose in that you can use some of those plays as gadget plays, as change of pace plays. I mean, some teams have experimented with that anyways. But, yeah, it, it, it underscores, I think, how hard it is to play quarterback in the NFL because right. the previous week, Pat Mahomes goes down. They bring in Chad Henney, and no one's expecting Chad Henney to light the world on fire, but... He did fine. Like he did fine. He he he, he was he, he didn't look like an embarrassment. He's the backup. He he did just fine. There is such a fall off between the backup, i.e., this guy Josh Johnson, who obviously wasn't great, but he wasn't it wasn't an embarrassment, to Christian McCaffrey back there, who clearly just couldn't do it. He he. I mean, it's like people are saying they should have changed out his shoulder pads because he he's not out there to throw. He probably hasn't thrown. He's capable of doing it, I'm sure, but. I mean, the the Redskins, was it the Redskins? Were they called the Redskins back then? I don't remember. But anyway, the point is, no, but it's the Broncos. I'm sorry. During the COVID year, the Broncos had a situation where, like, the first two QBs had COVID, and they put in this wide receiver, and it was a disaster. He, he I think he completed one pass. So it's like, it, it, it to me, I was watching the game with our mutual friend Max Perlman yesterday, and he said, this is like when a position player goes to the mound in a baseball game. It's just gimmicky. That drives me crazy. Right. Yeah. It, it, they almost, in baseball, they should set it up so that, okay, there's one dude that will come in to mop up every now and then, and you're going to kind of practice in the bullpen every now and then. Yeah. Like Bobby on the Red Sox should be that guy. Who was who it? What did you say? Bobby Dahlbeck. Oh, he, he, yep. he was a closer from, I think, his college. And then, like in hockey, you only carry two goalies now. They used to carry three. I I wonder what happens if both goalies get hurt. Well, I think we, in the way olden days, you were allowed to, like, this sounds like a joke, but like equipment manager could go in or something. But maybe in football, couldn't there be a situation where you are now allowed an emergency third QB. He doesn't count towards your uh, roster spot on a given day, and he can come in. Yeah. Case of disaster, you would just have to define what disaster means, and maybe it would be at least one of the two people that have left the game cannot play in your next game. Right. Because that way, people wouldn't abuse it just trying to right. rest. Or so, or maybe well, it's maybe it's special for the playoffs because if this had been just a regular season game, I think you kind of write it off to well, what are you going to do? Two QBs got hurt, you're going to lose. Who cares what happens at the end? But for this, yes. uh, we were we, uh, we were speculating and watching the game that what if by some miracle San Francisco had pulled that game out yesterday, and but the injuries to Johnson and who's Mr. Irrelevant? I already forgot his name. Brock Purdy. Oh, Brock Purdy. Yeah, if. Let's say they were both unavailable. Well, then who who starts in the Super Bowl? And we started saying, I imagine you can sign someone. Or I mean, so could Brett Favre have come in or Colin Kaepernick? Can you imagine that story? You know, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm fairly certain that there are a batch. Well, think about this: there's there's ten or fifteen or twenty twenty five quarterbacks as we speak getting ready for the USFL and for the XFL. Oh, yeah. Sure. And they're all outside of the NFL contractual auspice, if you will. Right, right. So they right. plucked somebody from there. You're right, yeah. You're probably right. Yeah. And then the second game was exciting. 
It really was. Uh, I think Pat Mahomes put himself in the uh, the Kurt Schilling discussion of of wounded warrior and 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 playing through pain. And then the other thing that sadly stuck out at that game was the the poor guy on the on the Bengals who got flagged for that late hit on on Mahomes, which was the right call. But man, that poor guy's going to be living that all all of off season, right? What did you think about that game? I know. Well, well, the thing about Mahomes that I, I talk about this a lot with people. I think he's a, a, a great human, clearly an out-of-this-world quarterback. Mm. I love that his dad pitched for the Red Sox. Mm. But I'm really bored with people who say, and you hear this a lot, Mahomes could break Brady's Super Bowl win record. And this isn't me being a Tom Brady pom-pom, yep. or if you will. Yep. Of course, I love Tom Brady, but yep. Brady won seven Super Bowls. Yep. So Mahomes <laughs> won one. Right. Now, okay, how about this? And this isn't addressed at Mahomes. It's at the nerdy fans out there that mm. just worship the guy. Okay, once he wins five, <laughs> four, right. then we'll talk about will he get to eight if Brady doesn't believe it or not, win one next year and get right. to nine. Like That's not as silly as it might sound. Right. So it would take close to mountain-moving acts of God, and this isn't any disrespect towards how great Mahomes is, but you need to stay healthy, right? almost impossible. Mm. Brady's board is lucky, essentially. They only missed that one season with his knee problem when Matt Castle came in. And you, you need to be mentally of the – of the giddy up that I'm going to play for 20 some odd years. Like why would he keep, he, he makes $40 million a year. Believe me in 10 or 11 years when he has four or 500 after tax million dollars in his pocket. Yeah. He's not going to keep why? Uh, I mean, it, it takes someone. The, it's like, no way. The, the stars will never be aligned, aligned for that to happen. It doesn't make sense. I mean, and that's why when, when Andrew Luck retired, it was kind of shocking, but I think after all this, gave it a thought. It's like, well, this makes sense. The guy made a lot of money. Yeah. He never really accomplished what he wanted to necessarily in football, but he values his life. He values his, his brain. And Brady, I think Brady is almost a robot when it comes to that. He's just different. And most players, like you say, I mean, we saw it yesterday. He he's, he's Mahomes playing banged up. God bless him. But the style he plays you can't imagine, and like you say, no knock on him. He's he'll go down. He'll he's already one of the great quarterbacks of his generation, right for sure. But it's hard to win in the NFL. That's that's what that's what it's 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 hard to stay good. We're seeing that now. People playing the blame game about the Patriots season this year. I thought did Belichick screw everything up? Well, I suppose yes. The season was a disappointment, but you know what? He's been doing it for so many years. It, he was bound to have a a dip, right? Absolutely. And, and here's another. Thing. Great segue. I, I'm not a. I think Belichick's great, but I'm not here to cover for him. Yeah. So this is a take. I actually hate that word when people say yeah. hot. <laughs> I know. But I have a take that's yep. so different. Than everybody else thinks. Why does everybody except me? So clearly, I'm wrong. <laughs> have a massive problem. Not just a problem, but a massive problem with Joe Judge and Matt Patricia being given big responsibility. First of all, 
Joe Judge was a special teams coordinator for the Patriots. That's a th- the third or fourth biggest role on any staff. Head coach for the New York Jets. I mean, it's Giants. Giants, yeah. Big go well. But still, you're telling me that him boomeranging back to the Pats to help coach the quarterbacks was such a stupid idea? That's crap that it was a stupid idea. Matt Patricia, defensive coordinator for some awesome Pats teams, head coach of yeah. the Detroit yep. boomerang back to the Pats. What's why is it so crazy to think that he can't coach the offensive line and and, and also call plays? I'm yeah. sorry. He, tons of guys go both sides of the ball. It's football. It's it's not that complicated. Yep. And if you know one side of the ball, it's going to help you understand the other side of the ball. So all right, that's fine. It didn't work out. And and now the staff's going to be tweaked with Bill O'Brien and this and that. But I, I'm sorry. I don't view bringing those two. How does Joe Bud Light from Weymouth <laughs> yeah. know so much about the idiosyncrasy yeah. construction coaching staff that he can say with such assuredness that Belichick's an idiot yeah. for hiring those two guys? Well, I disagree. Smart decisions. They didn't pay him any money. That's also a good thing because the other team's paying them. I would have done the same thing. Yeah. Roll the dice. Yeah. It worked. But it worked. Well, it'll be an island of two, JP, because I'll join you on this. Believe it or not, I've been saying something similar all season. When when we as fans, first of all, we don't know Jack, and sometimes the the brass they admit they don't know. I remember Theo Epstein saying they used to have a a saying around the the front office of the Sox is we don't know shit, meaning you just never. Sports is unpredictable, and it's unpredictable to to look ahead and see how this person is going to perform. But anyway, but aside from that. We can at least look and see and evaluate and say, oh, Pat, Patrick Mahomes, great player. Why? Well, I see it with my eyes. He Look at that play he just made, right? Whereas we don't see, quote unquote, Matt Patricia coaching. We don't know what he's doing. We don't know whether it was real. it's really Belichick's ship to run. And in that slot as OC, he just needed someone to kind of make the trains run on time or just be a steady hand. So, and you're right. Every sports radio caller gets on and says, Patricia's got to go. How do you, you don't know. You don't know. It, it, and it's such a complicated thing. I mean, at the end of the day, it's it, it's like, did Belichick screw us? I say, well, as Parcells would say, you are your record. They had a losing record. Belichick would agree it was a disappointment. That's it for me. I'm not, I, I don't know the inner workings of this place, right? Definitely not. And But even beyond that, yep. it was it actually I would say a very well-educated, thought-out, reasonable decision to make. Head coaches helping on the offensive side to former head coaches. And I don't care that they sucked with the Giants and the Lions, allegedly, or perhaps. Still, they had the job. They learned a ton. You've got to be kidding me. It's just amazing how everybody is so sure of that when none of us can be sure of anything along those no, lines. No, no. It's it's circular logic. The offense had a poor season, so therefore we assume it's this new offensive coordinator's fault. We don't we're not there in the in the ex, the chalk talks the, the strategy sessions. We don't know. Anyway, how dare Mac Jones have an opinion on how he's being coached. Yeah. I find that to be so reprehensible and borderline unforgivable. Mm-hmm. He should feel so grateful yeah. 
that God gave him the ability to do this job and just work with whomever the heck he is told. Agreed. Yeah. He's got, he is very uppity for a second year, second year player, second year player. Well, into his third year. Yeah. I agree with you. We could talk football forever, but I promised a round of good stuff. So let's do a quick round of good stuff. Oh, that's the good stuff. As we do, we invite our guests to recommend something good to our listening audience. Could be anything. Could be a good book you just read, a good movie you just saw, a recipe, an app, a charity, anything at all. JP, you have something to recommend to the gang out there? I'm reading a book right now. I'll probably have it finished tonight. It's on, uh, it's called Landry and Lombardi. Mm. And it's about the 1950s New York football giants who, talk about coordinators, had Tom Landry coordinating the defense and special teams and for two or three years of those eight or nine years he was a player simultaneously and then vince lombardi who went by Vinny in those days <laughs> that's vince funny yep. was the offensive coordinator and they it's just unbelievable the two coordinators went on to be two of the best head coaches ever sure. could have gotten the eagles job but it was just like a one-year contract so we stayed with the giants then of course uh, he takes the Packers job where he was basically the Belichick, the GM and the coach, which was a very rare thing in those days. And Landry, of course, went to the expansion uh, Dallas Cowboys. Could have gone to the AFL, which was just starting then, for double the money. Mm. The Houston offered him a 10-year contract at $65,000 a year in 1960. That that was a lot of money. Yeah, for sure. But he went to the Cowboys expansion club to stay in the NFL He's a Texas native, was a Texas native uh, for like half that money, but was triple an assistant rate for the Giants. So that's my current read, which is awesome. And oh, yeah. on deck, I never played the game by Howard Cosell. Wow. I haven't I haven't even heard of that book. Obviously, it was written years ago because Cosell yep. hasn't been. been. I pick- I, I'm going to I'd like to check that one out as well. I think he was a fascinating guy. Six dollars and change used all in price eBay. Okay. I Somebody was talking about it on some Twitter exchange two or three weeks ago. So I just went to eBay and bought it. I can't wait to read it. Love it. Uh, Love it. Really, really think that'll be, he'll be talking. He did MLB. He did Monday Night Football. He did sure. all the big boxing matches. He, be his, yeah. I, like David Yaz, he's a lawyer. <laughs> You're right. He, another lawyer turned something different and it's uh, fast. It was Fascinating. It was a little before our time, but the way his career ascended parallel to that of Ali was was fascinating. And I'd love to read more about that. I'll do a go ahead, JP. About Howard Cosell, and I think I was eight years old. And I I truly, the way I learned that John Lennon died, I was just becoming a huge Beatles fan in the uh, 1980s when I was. Howard Cosell was doing a Patriots Monday night football game and he was but on Lennon. Yeah. Talk about strange, odd bedfellows. Yep. And he announced to the country and my parents, I guess, will let me stay up a little late. Maybe it was eight thirty, nine o'clock on a school night. Right. But because the Pats were playing. Yeah. It was Pats jets. I think. Yeah. 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 I don't opponent, but I, I do know that Frank Gifford, who's featured heavily in this 
Landry Lombardi book because he was a star fullback or halfback for the Giants. Mm-hmm. He was doing money in football, and they learned of Lennon's murder during a commercial break, and Cosell was like in tears almost, and he said, there's no way we can talk about this, and Gifford said, no, you have to. Right, right. You owe this. Oh, and, and, yeah, and better, good, better. good that he did, and he did it eloquently. And and but I remember that said that oh, we're up against the clock here. I will share something real quick. My son Adrian, who I talk about a lot, he has autism, and he's wonderful, happy kid. Loves to go to the movies, but sometimes likes to leave early. So therefore, I can't give you a full review of this film, but I can tell you I've seen at least half of it. <laughs> and it's it's if you've heard of this movie, it's you've probably just kind of smirked for obvious reasons. I'm going to play a little bit of the trailer for 80 for Brady. Let's take a listen. Now it's time for the 80 for Brady starting lineup. Lily Tomlin, Wayne State University, Rita Moreno, PS132, Sally Field, Birmingham High School, Jane Fonda, college dropout. The 80 for Brady trailer starts in three, two, one. About to start. Oh, there's Tom. Oh, oh, what a beautiful man. I like Gronkowski. We know, Chris. We've all read your Gronk erotica. It's not erotica, it's fan fiction. Very sexy fan fiction. Aren't you tired of the same old boring lives? Let's go to the Super Bowl. Super Bowl is no place for four old women. This could be Tom's last one. He's almost 40. That's like 80 in people years. Yeah, we're 80 in people years. I just really need this trip. So it says it's inspired by a true story. I don't know the whole backstory as to whether how true to life this may be, but it's, as you can imagine, it's, it's fun, but light. No one's going to win an Oscar for this movie. I was interested. I didn't realize until the opening credits came up, this is produced by Tom Brady. So, so, and like, I guess go for it, Tom Brady, but it's, there's something a little saccharine sweet about the whole thing produced by Brady about four women who love Brady. They travel to the Super Bowl in Houston to see the Patriots play the Falcons. We all know how that happened. I don't know how the movie ends, but it is what it is. I'll say that. It's fun. It's The acting isn't very good, <laughs> but it's as a Patriots fan, it's kind of fun to see it through the eyes of these octogenarians who are all, the actresses, they're all likable. We all love these actresses, right? So right. anyway, that's that's my sort of review of 80 for Brady. You gonna see it, JP? I don't. I don't um, think I will. But I think it's a nice <laughs> story that it came together. Good opportunity for four octogenarian females to get a movie role. That's yeah. not a con- Hollywood. And that's sad. Great point. Pro- good for Brady for his business empire expansion. I, I just I'll wrap it up with sure. a super micro report on two films we've recently seen. Mm. One loved, one I hated. Mm. So. I'll start with the one I hated. Knives Out 2, Glass Onion. Yep. Uh, Bum me out because Knives Out became an instant favorite. I, I, I view that as being a top 25 movie of all time. Really? The wow. yep. best new movie I've seen in 10 years. Mm. Oh, did I Knives Out. Knives Out 2, brutal, <laughs> unnecessarily confusing, sucked. Yeah. Now, oh, have you seen it? Knives Out 2, yeah. I enjoyed it more than you did, but I didn't think it measured quite up to the, the first one. So uh, I'm, I'm with you there. What's so the other one? Yep. I saw um, essentially what amounts to Fletch 3. It's called Confess Fletch, starring John Hamm in the Chevy Chase role. Mm. 
absolutely fantastic. Really? I haven't seen uh, it. Oh, cool. John nailed it, like, to the point where he was, like, almost like a cover band. Like, he, he was channeling his inner Chevy oh, Chase. interesting. Like, if some people might be like, oh, he should have created his own stamp on the role. Yep. Nah. He, <laughs> it was great. It was interesting. I got to check that out. I, I don't know oh. why that kind of came. It felt like it came and went. But you get it on. You can stream it. it oh, great. It was one of, okay. They shoved it in a theater just for a couple of weeks um, yep. for some factual box checks. But by and large, it's a streaming. I don't know if, if Amazon is Netflix irrelevant. Yeah, we'll, but yeah, well I, I think John Hamm can do no wrong. I mean, he's he, he just the rare talent that's just comfortable with his fame. And he's he's great in dramatic roles. And he's great in, in he's a great Saturday Night Live host, for God's sakes. Anyway, we do have to run, but my thanks again to my friend JP Plunkett, Red Dome Realty. The website is r-dome.com. The Twitter handle is Red Dome, at Red Dome Realty. And I hope you had fun, my friend. I always do, Dave. You're a great man. Have a good week. Thank you. Very good. You're going to take my job. That was a pretty good sign-off there, JP. We thank you for listening to the Boston Podcast. If you like us, follow us on Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like your own show, go to pod617.com to get started. On behalf of JP and all the football fans out there, my name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston. But if you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. Have a great day, everybody. See ya. Yeah.